Okay, apparently I'm leading songs. Nope. Do you not have my slideshow in there? Nope, I didn't put it in. <laughs> All right. Close that up and just run the slideshow. I've got it on there. It's on the desktop. I'll wait for them to get that going. It's, it's up there somewhere. I dragged it. So last week we talked about a little word, is. And the fact is that we live in a reality. I think we established that. If. Another small word. All advances in our society have been based on, and we talked about this, the idea of factual discovery, right? Uh, all aspects of human existence depend on a bedrock of truth. And um, did you find it? Okay, one more thing to do is to put me up here. Unless you want me to turn around. I need this one. Right here. Okay, I can turn around. Um, we have a chain reaction. Whenever we discover something, right? Discovery is a chain reaction, isn't it? Um, typically it works like this. Uh, you have a theory about something. Now, you're going to do something and figure out whether or not that, that theory is true. Right? This is science. I've got an idea. Okay. And so you, you, you formulate this and you work it out. And now we come to the lab and we, we say, well, if this is true, then this should happen. Well, if it doesn't happen, then your theory has been proven false. Now, here's what happens whenever we, we go through this process, regardless of whether it's a spiritual thing or whether it's a, a scientific thing or whatever it is. What happens at the end of your discovery is that you have more questions. Hey, that, that's discovery. Hey, that, that's how we progress. Hey, we didn't invent the wheel and go, that's it. Right? We've developed lots of things, and, and, and it all comes from whatever that first invention was. Whatever Adam in the garden decided that he was going to, to, to invent led to other things. And it's led to us today. Uh, so, um, we're going to look at our chain reaction. Did we ever find out how to put this up here on this one so I don't have to turn around? Is it turned on? Is it turned on? I've never turned it off, so let's see. It should come on automatically, shouldn't it? I don't have a power button here. There's no power button, I don't think. So it's either, okay, we'll just forget about it. You're going to have to deal with my back of my head. Close it and open it. No, it's not, it's uh, just a screen. Well, I guess there is a power button. I never claimed to be a techno genius. You can tell because I don't know where the on button is. Matthew chapter 21, we look at a, another word. When he entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came up to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? Who gave you this authority? And Jesus 
answered them and he said, I will ask you one question. If you tell me the answer, then I will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, where did it come from? From heaven or from man? And they discussed it among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Why then did you not believe him? But if we say from man, then we are afraid of the crowd, for they all hold that John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We do not know. And he said to them, Neither will I tell you then by what authority I do these things. Uh, we'll get into a little bit of this discussion, but, but mostly this is just to introduce the idea of an important word, if. Once we establish certain things, we come to some if statements. Now, an if statement is properly followed, not necessarily in English grammar, but, but the idea is by another word. If, then. It's a chain reaction. If this, then that. And they, you follow them through this process. If we say this, then this. Hmm, okay. Well, if that, then, then if we say this, and they come to a point, and this is interesting, they follow the course of humanity in which they find two situations which they don't like. They have an if statement. And they don't really like how either one is going to come, so they try to thread the needle and go down the middle. And that doesn't work either, because that's really a then as well. But their idea, their logic, their uh, discovery, if we will, is really humankind's discovery uh, uh, when it comes to absolute truth. There are implications about a spiritual truth they don't like. If the baptism of John is from heaven, then they're on the wrong side of that equation. So we, we, we all come to, once we, we come to the idea of, of absolute truth, we, we start down a road of discovery. And that brings us to the first one. And that is God. We're going to talk about God. No, we're all gathered here today because we have some belief in God. Maybe you have hazy questions, or, or maybe not, I don't know. At some point in time, I think any logical person wrestles with this idea. People have been to Bible college and, and, and preach sermons sometimes wrestle with this idea. Okay, I get up there every Sunday and preach a sermon, but I wonder, because I can't see God, at the end of the day, if I'm really saying the truth, or is it really all just imagined? Right? We wrestle with these ideas. This is, this, is human, this is human discovery. But we are all here, and I'm not going to go into all of that arguments. I believe there are significant arguments for the existence of God. In fact, uh, if you want to, uh, our website, uh, the Waukesha Church of Christ website, has a has a tab you can go on and find podcasts. And we have a, a whole evidence class that we went through about a year ago, a year and a half ago. You can find evidences for the existence of God, and there's tons of them. So I'm not going to repeat that class. But we are going to look at some concepts of God this morning. Uh, in addition to other things. And, and when we start with the, another if statement, 
What shall we say to these things? And it's a long text. You can read it if you want. Romans 8 is my favorite chapter. I've never seen a, a topic that I can't pull out something from Romans 8 and throw it into. If God is for us, who can be against us? Well, that's a kind of an interesting statement. We, we use this and we, we quote it and, and, and we know generally what that kind of is supposed to mean, what God's on my side and rah, 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 sis, boom, ba, and, and, and that's what that means. But I, I want to go into this just a little bit deeper. If God, if then, right? If God is for us, then who can be against us? The then is implied. Remember that Paul wrote these things in a time where there were a number of ideas about God, just like there would be today. There was a pagan idea of polytheism, right? That was one idea. Lots of gods. There's a Jewish idea of God. That was strict monotheism. One being. And he liked Jews. That was their idea. And then there's the Christian idea of God, which is monotheistic, similar to Judaism, but, but we have a deeper understanding of that monotheism, that, mono, that, that, that God is more like a title than an than a identity of an individual. And within that identity of one God, there's multiple individuals that make that up, and don't ask me to explain that. But there's a different idea of God. If God is on my side, in other words, if, if, if I have the right idea of God, God can't logically be on everybody's side. Right? Uh, so we, we've answered, does God exist? But, but whose idea of God is correct? So, so last week we talked about modernism and, and postmodernism, right? And, and how, uh, well, you have your truth and I have my truth, or maybe there's no truth at all. When we make a statement... Does God exist? Right? There's a truth. You can't believe that God exists and God doesn't exist at the same time. That's not logical. So, so there has to be a truth on that statement. So post, postmodernism, sorry, it doesn't work. But, but likewise, modernism doesn't work. In other words, your truth, my truth. Right? Islam believes... We, we, we talk about what the Jewish idea of God is. The Jewish idea of God is God that, that thinks that, that pretty much Jews are it. Islam believes in a God that wants to push the Jews into the sea. They both can't be correct. Right? You can't have your truth and I have my truth and they're both equal. One or both of them could be wrong. But one of them, they, they can't peacefully coexist. Right? Postmodernism or modernism does not work here. Now, my opinion is that both of them are wrong. And that's a possibility. But they both can't be right. Is God on my side? In other words, at the end of the day, when I'm sitting there and formulating my theories on God, is God saying, yes, that's correct? If I'm correct then God's on my side. Good job. You figured it out. If not, God's not on my side. I have nothing behind me to back up my theories on God. 
And we're going to come back to this in our conclusion, but I, I just want to hold that, that idea. Well, we have another if statement. Because we come to the concept of Christ, we have to deal with Christ. That's a, a big topic in our world. I mean, atheists use his name all the time. Well, we have to figure. A pretty important person whose name gets used all the time. So let's figure out. Well, if, statement, John chapter 10, verse 37 and 38. Here he's dealing with the same groups of people. He says, if I'm not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. And so, so he addresses the idea of his deity. If, then. If, the, here I am in the laboratory doing certain things. If the things are working and demonstrate things that only God can do, then it is an evidence that I must be from God. Now, this was true in a number of ways. First of all, there were things that Christ was doing, or the Bible says he was doing. Right? That's a whole other discussion. But, but suppose that the Bible's accurate for just a second. Let's assume our point. If he was doing these things, then he was doing things that could only be done through God's power. If this, then that. But not only that, well, let's stop right there for a second. Because, because they go on and they try to explain this away. They said, well, he cast out demons by Satan. He says, that's not logical. What do you mean that's not logical? Well, if Satan is casting out Satan, then his kingdom is divided. That, that, it doesn't work. Right? You, you have a flaw in your, in your theory. We, we test out your theory. It doesn't work. Oh, hadn't thought about that. So, so he demonstrates that he is from God that way. But, but also he demonstrates that they were virtuous works. He demonstrates the, the not just the existence of God by his own and his connection to him. But we get back to that connection of who's God? Which one? Which idea of God? Is God on my side? Because he's demonstrating a virtuous God. Find a miracle. Find a work. Find anything that Jesus did that did not benefit humanity. Either that specific group or at large. Find something. Find me a, a, an act that was simply about bringing honor to himself. That was, you know, a show. You don't find them. You only find things that demonstrate the character of the Father. So we see his deity. Next he says, uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, If there is no resurrection for the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. Your faith is in vain. 
We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that He raised Christ, whom He did not raise. There's a bunch of if statements here. Sorry about that. It's kind of our sermon, though. If it is true that the dead are not raised, for the dead are not raised, even Christ has been raised, not even Christ has been raised, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. And then those who are fallen asleep in Christ have perished. And if in Christ we have hope in this life only, then we are of all people most to be pitied. So what he's doing here is he's rattling that chain several links down. Right. There's a lot of if statements. If this, then this. It's, a, it's this chain reaction he's going, going through. So, so it's kind of confusing. Um, so we've established this deity, but we come to his resurrection, which is the vital part of the scriptures. It's what everything prior and, and post centers on this one event. And so he, he says, we are the most pitied of all people. Now, as a natural person, I was looking at this and I, I disagreed with Paul. That presents a problem because Paul's inspired and I'm not. There's a, a, a mathematician by the name of Pascal, Blaise Pascal, and uh, he's one of you, if you like math and you studied uh, Pascal's triangle, and I forget what that was all about, uh, but an but a, a important mathematician, right? That is like something about numbers and they add up, and anyway. But he had a thing he called, and he was a Christian, he said he, said he had what was called Pascal's wager. Pascal's wager was this. He says it's not an evidence that God exists, but, but it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's kind of a logic problem. He says, I, can, I, I have a choice, and, and each of those choices has two possibilities. So there's four possibilities. I can believe in God or not believe in God, right? We already talked about that. He said, now, I can believe in God and be right or wrong, and I can not believe in God and I can be right or wrong. Right? There's four possibilities. So let, let's follow each of these out. And, uh, and so he says, well, uh, if I believe in God and I'm right, I mean, God, if God is for us, who can be against us? That's what that verse is about. That's, I believed in God and I was right. I can believe in God and be wrong. In other words, I can believe in God and um, I would live a life based on God and die and, and there's no God and, I, and that's that. Uh, now, on the other hand, I, I could believe that there's no God, and, and I could be wrong, but that would be the worst of the worst. Right? That, would, uh, that would be the worst possible scenario. But, but I could believe that there's no God, and I could be right. And, and so I want to focus on these two middle ones. Let's leave the extremes out, the best and the worst. Because he said, what happens if I... I'm right or wrong on the, these middle ones. I, 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 I believe that there's a God, but I'm wrong. Well, I live a life on these principles. And so I, I do moral things, and uh, I live a life which tends to be the type of lifestyle that you live when you're moral, which means you avoid a lot of problems. Right? You, you, you avoid decisions that tend to lead to drug abuse, and, and all these other things that are really horrible in life. They tend to come from living life that's not according to this. So, so then you die. Well, what happened? You lived a fairly pleasant life. Most likely. Now, on the other hand, you could 
bet that there's no God. This is really all a gamble. You can bet that there's no God and you're right. And what happens? You die just the same. But in the interim, you've lived however many years of, of trouble and problems because you lived the life of chaos. So for me, and this is why I disagree with Paul, and this is why I'm going to tell you why Paul's right. Okay? I live this, I, I, I come up with this conclusion because I live in a life that's been civilized over the course of 2,000 years by Christianity. This makes sense. Paul would have disagreed with Pascal. But Pascal lived in a world that was already civilized by Christianity. It makes sense to me that I'm not to be pitied. The person who lives that lifestyle should be pitied. He suffers, and I can see him. But in Paul's day, we were the most pitied. It had nothing to do with getting up on Sunday. Oh my goodness, I've got to drag myself out of bed on a Sunday and go to church. That's not what Paul's talking about. They were dragged out, and they were beaten, and they were killed. Hounded from one city to another because of their belief in the resurrection. See, it's a slightly different life than what I have to face today. It wasn't simply a matter of, of living a moral life. You lived a moral life, you, you tended to suffer more. See, not like today. So Paul's right. And Blaise Pascal is right. It just depends on the culture in which you live. Sorry, I used the culture word. That's an inside joke. Um, so we have to look at the points that Paul is making to understand why we're the most pitied if Christ didn't raise. So we come to my then. My implications of all of this. If this, then this. And I want to look at three of them really, really quickly. John 14, 1-6, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and, and in me. And we just talked about that. God, Christ. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it weren't so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for If I go prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself. Where I am, you may be also. And you'll know the way where I'm going. And Thomas said, how do we know where you're going? How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And so, the first then in all of this is heaven, is reward. We've seen Jesus demonstrate both himself and the Father. And so there's a necessary inference of a lifestyle that should be lived accordingly. There's a reward for believing it and practicing it. And he gives us an absolute. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. This is an absolute. It's either true or it's not true. Our world today loves the word nuance. They're very much against this idea of binary. You hear that phrase, oh, that's just so binary. You ain't going to find a guy more binary than Jesus. You are not going to find a guy who loves zeros and ones more than Jesus. (laughs) 
I. One. Me. No one, zero, comes to the Father but by me. Zeros and ones. Well, that leads us to uh, another idea here. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away for it. It says since, but the version I was reading says if. If the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and if every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? For it was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, distributed according to His will. If. We have another if statement. Then, if we ignore it, there's an implication. Right? We don't like to say that word. We, we like to kind of ease around that one. But there's an implication for doing and believing, there's an implication for not doing and believing. It's binary. You've got to have one, you've got to have the other. And the third one. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned Received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and, and the God of peace will be with you. We looked at that word lovely. Ooh, that's pretty. That's not what this word means. The, the word lovely, I, I like this. Out of all these words, I just want to pick this one. Because we think of thinking about lovely things, like uh, smelling the roses and, and things like that. This word lovely is, is a word... Uh, it's called prosphaleo. Oh, sorry, I hate Greek, right? Uh, but it means towards brotherly love. Whatever things are towards or in the direction of brotherly love. So it's, it's not a it's not an inward based word. It's an outward based word. Whatever things are beneficial to the people around you, what, those types of things. It's a, this is active. All of these things are active. And they're requirements. They're implications of the, the, the things that God wants me to be and to do and to say and to think. There's all these implications. These words are requirements. They're responsibilities for me. And there's a ton of them. That I, any one of these is like, that's a full day's job. And I've got a bunch of them. To think about and to, to, to work through. And so I have to affect my behavior. That's the implication here. Because of all these things, there's this behavior. And it all comes down to follow through. His name is Infinity, by the way. Interesting. Or Infinite. This is what he's known for. This kid is a, a, a track field star for Texas A&M. 
That's all he's known for. You want to look a picture of that? Look at the face plant he does after that. Follow through. We started out and we started talking about all of that God stuff. And what that all implies, if God is for us. Well, here's the implication. If God is on my side, if I've got the right idea of God, and if God says besides me there's no other, if all of that is true, there's a necessary inference to be taken from it. And that is all of the things, our decisions... The, the number one emotion that determines your decisions is fear. It would be nice if we were more noble than that, but the fact is is that we do most of what we do or don't do what we do because of fear. We're afraid of something, repercussions or punishments or whatever. That's what tends to drive us. If God is for us, who can be against us? In other words, if because God can't be multiple things at the same time. If my brain has settled on the right concept of God, and God says, you got it, if, if that is true, then nobody else has that on their side. Is that logical conclusion? That means all the things that you're afraid of in this world has nothing to back it up. We're afraid of the politicians, and we're afraid of this, and we're afraid of that. All the things that you can possibly be afraid of come from something that is all bark in the way. Now, I'm not saying it won't hurt you in the short term, but in the end, they have nothing behind them of substance. So why am I afraid? Think about that. I'm afraid of something. Nothing a foundation. Whatever it is. It doesn't have to be that big of a scale. It can be on a small scale. Things want to present themselves as, as, as coming to you with, with great significance and great impact. And it has none. If God is on your side. Well, there's more than just my intellectual understanding of God, of course. If God is for me, implies more than just I have acknowledged Christ intellectually. Yes, there is a monotheistic God. It implies these other things. It implies that I have made a decision to put God on my side. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord. Not everyone who acknowledges the existence of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit is going to go, heaven. If you want God on your side this morning, you have to make a decision to have Him on your side. It requires follow-through. Follow-through on those intellectual things, whether it's making a decision to become a Christian this morning, or whether it is making a decision to renew a previous commitment, or whether whether you've just kind of you've had that commitment in the 
and you've acted certain ways, but you haven't fully committed. Whatever, wherever you are, follow through on whatever step you've made up to this point. 